Last episode, I already miss you, people. Yes. This is going to be a hard time. Yes. No Stefano twice a week for a long time to come. Last week, I think it was three times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what did you say? Total 10 hours already? Something like that? I oh, think that with the ones of today, we are marching straight to the 12 hours, 11 and a half, 12 hours. It was super lovely. Yeah, yes, very interesting. Yes, yes. Yeah. You ran out of money in the meantime, too. You've yeah. been supporting Sea-Watch a lot. <laughs> they, they deserve it. I'm super happy for that. Now I think that my my next run to the post office, people we are going to cheer at me, open fireworks, uh, <laughs> confetti stuff, offering me cakes. I'm talking a lot about cakes today because probably I'm a bit hungry. But because it's midday and we have been talking for the whole morning with an amazing characters. We, are talking, we talk with Susanne and uh, she's probably the pioneer of e-biking in the world. What do you think? Pretty much. Yeah, yeah, she started in 1997. Yes, uh, yes. Got involved in, in e-bikes. And yeah, 1999, she really started in the journalism side after inventing the word pedelec, which she will elaborate on in a minute. Mm-hmm. She's just the most like knowledgeable figure in the world of e-bikes today. Uh, I'm so happy to, to have her in the book, to have her on the podcast. It's a huge subject and really interesting to talk about, definitely from her side. Talking about the topic, why did you decide to put such a big eye on this topic? I can tell you that even if now e-bikes are everywhere and uh, yes, everybody talks about that, everybody wants one or whatever, I never thought about having an e-bike being also a tool for bikepacking. But you actually saw it from far away and this is super interesting. Yeah, I mean, for a very long time, there's been a big controversy around e-biking. It's seen for old people or someone with problems, but now it's it's more of a trend. So we just think that e-bikes opens the doors to, to so many people that perhaps wouldn't even consider cycling in any way if it wasn't because they can have a little bit of help. So, for example, by living in the Netherlands, it's so amazing to just see 80s years old, even 90s years old people just cycling, going everywhere by bicycle instead of hopping in the car. And uh, even though there's not many examples of people traveling long distance or far away on e-bikes, I think it's very manageable on continents like like uh, well, North America or Europe. Yeah, totally. Already. I, I, if I may just give an example, I, I, I didn't think I, I would include this, but I actually would love to. It's uh, an older man that I help with his computer uh, here in town, and he has a recumbent bike, like a three-wheel recumbent bike, electric with a battery. So the guy is 95 years old, and he just jumps on this bike, like he's 60, and he rides to the beach and comes back, does his groceries, all these things. So on his own, he's already an amazing figure. But then what he does, because he lives in a, in an elderly home, he also invites sometimes other uh, people of the elderly home to come along with him. So he te- he like attaches another recumbent, the, the fork he takes the wheel out, he attaches it to the, uh, to the rear of his and then pulls them like a little train so that they can also go to the beach and have this like recumbent bike experience. That's super and awesome. And that is like the, the, the example to use for what electric bikes make possible, for what this little battery giving you extra power 
makes a possibility. Anyone of any age with any physical state of being can ride a bicycle. And now, because we're venturing into new technologies and all these things, you can also use it for travel. No, that's super great. And I really love the example. And I really love that actually technology gives us this Alpon feeling. Uh, let's say, sustained, I would say, having some support on anyone that would be our adventure, even if it's, uh, I don't know, above our wage or whatever, just do that. And yeah. uh, this technology does another little help. That, it yes, puts more people on bikes. Yeah. That's the point. That's what it's all about. Yeah, 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 we talked about that also. We talked about markets and stuff during our recording, but maybe I will go on that. So... Uh, this is something like a wrapping question before the classic wrapping question that I do it all the time in the, int uh, the intro, but uh, we talk with Susanne and her typology style of cycling is pretty clear. E-bikes around the world. How would you define your style of cycling? I mean, I'm talking with really Belen and Tristan now. Mm. I think we keep on changing. I mean, last year, actually, we were planning to do a trip on e-bikes because we just really want to test it out we want to see what it is for who it is yeah we were going to the north of spain with uh, two specialized creo bikes yeah with a bike packing setup to see how long can we go you know these things weigh 12 kilos how long can we go if the battery runs out is it like a normal bike etc etc yeah. we, we never did it because of you know what Wait, 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 wait. Okay. But but it's on the list. So I think for us it's a little bit difficult to just put ourselves on a specific style. I think we're open to trying different things. We've done bike touring. We're right now more into what we call bike fusion, which is like something in between bike packing and bike touring. Um, we like to go off-road, on-road. Yeah. We're just really open to see all the possibilities that uh, a bicycle can bring you. I, I would say that we, the, the, the sort of the way we represent is to put more people on bicycles. Yes, that's way 51, guys. Yeah, <laughs> because the the content creation, you know, just embodying the spirit and going out there with these bikes, and like Susanna says in in the in the chat, that she became like an image for people that it's possible. All this stuff, that's what we really are really into to just show that you can do it. You can travel by bike. You can have amazing time, amazing lifestyle. Uh, yeah, that's that's probably our our way, our style. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> But yeah, no, I really love it. And that's perfect. And actually, you, in the book, you are really representing all the possible styles. And this completely goes together. It's matching your idea of cycling and your idea of putting outside the content. So having the possibility of putting everybody on a bike, no matter what. No matter it's your style, no matter your preferences. And, and uh, regarding that, also, the what we've spoken about before, the... The way this book works for us is to get it out into the world, into as many hands and coffee tables as possible, to make sure more people find out that they can do it, whatever their situation. And uh, the profits on our side, as we've said before, of this book, they also go to an organization related to cycling. So we said before, we're not really sure which one to choose yet. Big preference towards warm showers because it makes 
even more possible for people to go on bikes and just have a travel experience without having to worry about camping or where uh, where to stay and so we we love just the whole spectrum the whole thing that this book embodies and hopefully makes possible um, that it creates a bit more awareness about cycling the many ways you can do it that the money of it supports the 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 bike industry and and the organizations that make it possible for more people to do so yeah i don't want to sound too broad but that's yeah <laughs> that's a, it's it's just what it all comes down to and uh yeah happy to wrap up this podcast series by having said that perfect i want to say before as i was saying the last question that will let us jump into the conversation with susanna i want to just say from my side thanks a lot for making me part of your project it was inspiring you let me meet uh, so many cool people we had so many amazing conversations the chemistry between us i think it was perfect we jumped into different conversation from nerdings nerding part philosophical uh, psychological traveling and whatever in such an easy way the ease was just stunning and uh, thanks a lot for being part for letting me be in part on this project and thanks a lot for being so inspiring people please continue doing it this way because it's <laughs> just you. amazing continue write your book continue send out your content continue be brave inclusive and special as you are you are great people oh, thanks a lot and thanks for for joining us on this project too because yeah we all do this out of uh, out of passion basically Absolutely. We, yeah. Just hoping that it speaks to many other people and everyone is just smiling and more active and spending time outdoors. Yeah, that's great. Let's jump into the conversation by saying that by myself asking you the question, how did you find Susanna? Susanna, we found, uh, surprise, surprise, not through Instagram, wow. <laughs> we found, uh, because she's an ambassador for Ortlib and so are we. So we knew her through their website and that's how we, we thought, wow. Yeah. This uh, lady, this We're woman, like, this girl. <laughs> mm, we need to get e-bikes in there. Yeah. If we can get her on, that would be amazing. And she was in uh, in in southern Germany by the time she was just starting her project. And yeah, we managed to catch her. We talked for an hour. She was totally in. And the rest is history. Let's listen to her. I need to push this button, and then I have to say three, two, one, clap. Perfect. Perfect. Fifth episode of this amazing series. And first of all, I would start saying thanks to Belém and Tristan to have me here for the 50 ways of on the broom wagon. This time I didn't make it completely smooth as I should. And I want to say as well, thanks to Susanne, because today we're going to talk about a really 2021 way of traveling the world on the bike. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, everyone, and thank you so much for inviting me to this broadcast and to be part of the 50 Ways of to Cycle the World. Um, I think this is such an amazing project, and, and it is a privilege, it is a pleasure to be part of it. Well, We're very happy to have been able to include you. <laughs> same thing here, same thing here. It's super, super, I'm super, super happy on talking with you today, Susanne, for so many reasons. But probably the first one that hit my, hit my attention was because you are at the moment in Ciclana de la Frontera and I spent so much beautiful time living 
in Andalusia and I was going to see Klana pretty often because I was living in Sankare. So how is there? How is there, Susanne? How is life in uh, in Ciclana? I would say it is much better than in Germany right now. <laughs> okay. Uh, first because first because of the climate. Um we came here in January when Portugal closed its borders. So we basically escaped to Spain. And um I've been here since the, the middle of January and yes winter is much nicer here and also the whole situation seems much more relaxed everybody is wearing masks um even if they're walking on the beach by themselves um and as soon as you leave your house you got to wear a mask um that's the law but else um for a couple of weeks now everything has been open bars cafes restaurants um schools and kindergartens anyway um so life is going on more or less uh, as normal um and as i hear this is very much the contrary in germany right now so i'm quite happy to be here <laughs> and now everything is blossoming um and spring is really here on some days when when the sun is really out it feels more like summer that's super great it's amazing that's been yeah. <laughs> yeah amazing to to finally see some green and flowers and i mean we're recording this in uh end of april is it now so it's about time we, yeah uh, we've been in the netherlands you know based out here writing also the book since and since january yeah. yeah basically uh been waiting for spring to turn around so it's a beautiful moment we're looking out over this this uh, green and blossoming tree here in the front uh it's riding season right around the corner <laughs> And I'm sending some sunset sunshine in addition to the Netherlands and to, uh, to Zurich <laughs> for <Yeah>. you guys. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I didn't really need it because the last couple of weeks were really sunny and warm, but since yesterday night it started raining and pff, not again, not again. Hopefully it's not going to last so much. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. So I would say that actually if I can put something like a couple of things, just one accent on something at the beginning, I would consider your first part of the conversation, Susanne, as one coin, because you talked about masks, you talked about um, uh, closing the border in Portugal, uh, the situation in Germany. I would consider this one as one mention of the COVID-19 situation. And so that's why I dropped my one Swiss franc into my COVID jar that's just for you to know everybody out there, but also uh, Susanna Tristana Belen. I am going to collect all the money all the time that anybody of us in the conversation is mentioning the current situation, um, lockdown or blah, 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 blah. I'm going to drop one coin in the COVID jar and at the end, everything is going to go into charity. It's going to go to the awesome people at Sea-Watch that are rescuing the refugee in the center Mediterranean. Let's jump again into the conversation while saying, so Susanna, you are in uh, the amazing book, 50 Ways of Cycling the World. Uh, as a traveler, as I was saying, a really 2021 way of cycling and on riding in the world with a bike. Because basically, uh, you are actually riding around Europe and around the world with an e-bike. And that's something super interesting and super cool. And that's something that really breaks a lot of questions that we are all going to have uh, that are saying, ah, but what if I'm not fit enough? What if I want to travel faster? And you made into this world. You really, something like, 
put a fit in the in the, on the in the door and then you are in this world but everything started pretty early with you right your experience with e-bikes so give us a bit an intro about yourself in general but also this new way of using the bike that is you actually also came out with a word for it so let's go into that well um I, I have been in the electric bike field for over 20 years. And I started when there were like a handful of models on the market, a handful of electric bikes on the market. They looked pretty ugly. Um, they were not very attractive um, for young people like I was at that time to ride. Um, but yet the technology and the idea behind it was something that caught me. And um, at that time I was working for the first promotion and testing authority called Extra Energy mm -hmm. and they went to all the trade shows and set up test tracks with a slope where people could test ride um, those electric bikes and people made fun of us the freaks with their funny bikes but I could see in their eyes that they're, they were kind of fascinated by the idea of having a sensor measuring your muscle power while you're pedaling and then um, adding some motor power so you could drive faster and uh, more easily. And whenever we, we managed to uh, convince somebody to take a test ride, they would all come back with a big smile in their faces. <laughs> and these were the memories I took away from, from the mid-90s. Mm -hmm. um, but there was a point that I got tired of explaining over and over again what I was talking about and with this new kind of electric bike that came from Japan in 1994 was wow. all about. Mm -hmm. um, and at that time I was studying transla translating and interpreting at the University of Heidelberg and had to choose a topic for my final thesis. And luckily I could convince my professor um, that I needed to work on a wording for those electric bicycles. Because now we are talking about e-bikes and it's the most normal thing in the world. Yeah. But talking about e-bikes back then was something you didn't want to do. Because firstly, what people had in their mind was that I was talking about a bicycle with a throttle that would control the motor support, just like you do it on a moped. Mm -hmm. But this was not the case. You had to pedal and you automatically got the electric support. Um, and the second thing was, if I was talking about e-bike, I was immediately in that corner of uncool, unfashionable, and sexy, and everything that you didn't want to be. Mm -hmm. um, so, and the terminology that we used for this type of new electric bike was like power assist or something. Um, but we didn't want to have or to mention that we needed help, that we couldn't paddle by ourselves anymore. So using assistance in the terminology was not a good idea. Mm -hmm. um, so I was sitting down <laughs> researching, um, and the result of my thesis was the word pedelec, short form for pedal electric cycle. And uh, publishing pedelec um, through the um, through the the trade media and through the public media that uh, was talking about electric bikes was basically my start into journalism. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, since that day, that was in 1999, that I published Pedelec. And since that day, I've been writing for many magazines, um, international magazines in the electric bike world. And uh, 10 years ago, in uh, 2011, I founded Pedelec Adventures because that was the time when the first electric mountain bikes appeared on the market. And I always wanted to travel the world. And I thought, okay, now I think I found the suitable vehicle to do that. Yeah. Um, so that's what I did. Um, I hopped on my bike and started uh, cycling the world on an electric bike. And I went to Morocco first and we pulled solar trailers to see um, to what extent we can recharge our batteries uh, with solar energy. Wow. And uh, we used those experiences um, for the next trip and that went to Mongolia in uh, 2012. And we had no power outlets there. In Morocco, it was no problem, but in Mongolia, there was nothing. So we had to rely on our solar trailers. And that was a fantastic experience, just to be 100% self-sufficient. Mm -hmm. And uh, then I traveled through Iceland, which was an amazing trip as well. And my biggest journey so far was crossing uh, the western USA oh, wow. with, a team of, with a team of four. And uh, last year in September, um, I started my new project, E-Traction the Trip. And like I mentioned before, I'm doing that together with my partner, uh, Silvio. And we had a bit of a difficult start, of Let's course. Go there. <laughs> Let's go there. Let's go there. What happened? <laughs> well, we were about... Well, we went on a test trip uh, to Morocco to test our setup because this new project is a combination of e-bike travel and mobile living. Mm -hmm. And um, we, um, we bought a four-wheel drive uh, truck uh, as our base camp, as our mobile base camp. That's where we live in. That's where we work. That's our home office. <laughs> and uh, it's our workshop. And it's also our solar charging uh, station. We have the roof full of, full of solar pan panels. We have a big buffer battery. So we can uh, charge our electric bicycles without needing any other power outlet. Mm -hmm. So that's the idea behind it. And we were just ready to go. We went to Morocco. We had the first test trip there. Everything was awesome. We came back. We had scheduled the official launch of our project at the ITB in Berlin. Mm -hmm. And uh, four days before it was supposed to start, it was canceled. Okay. And we all know what happened afterwards. Yes. <laughs> so basically, we started our world trip and we just made it down to the Swabian uh, mountains in the south of Germany and got stuck there for two months. Yeah. So basically, that was the hardness test for uh, living together on nine square meters mm -hmm. in, um, in, 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 in home office. <laughs> and it worked out well. So we thought, now we can do anything. <laughs> of course. And, and in September, um, we traveled to Paris and officially started our e-traction the trip uh, project there, right uh, below the Eiffel Tower. Mm -hmm. Why Paris? Because I had ended a trip from Scotland to um, the climate conference in Paris uh, in 2000 and 
2015, I think it was, and I had ended that in Paris. So it appealed to me to start my new trip uh, in, in Paris again and basically continue what was, what was the idea back then, traveling down to Africa. And that was, that was the idea, starting in Paris and traveling down to Africa. Um, but we knew it could happen that we had have to make a different decision. And that's what happened. We made it down to Spain. <laughs> I cycled all the way through France, across the Pyrenees. Mm -hmm. And then again from the most northern point of um, the Iberian Peninsula. And all the way through Portugal, um, down to Lisbon. Okay. And uh, then we had to change our whole plan again. Morocco is still closed, so there's no way to go there. Mm -hmm. And we had a pretty bad experience waiting for us uh, in Portugal, a bit south of Lisbon. And um, this is basically why we ended up here in Spain. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, but, uh, what, what happened again? Exactly. Do you want to tell <laughs> I mean, us that? We know, but... <laughs> yeah. Yes, of course, because uh, this is something that can happen. And we totally did not expect it. We were in the most peaceful place on a lockdown weekend. Sorry, I'm using the word lockdown again here, but it helps to illustrate the situation because um, people were not allowed to leave their houses after one o'clock in the evening. So um, there was nobody there. It was it was empty. And um, we were in this atmosphere of having just found the perfect flow of our trip having arrived in our in our travel setting and we just in, enjoyed um to just um to just relax for a moment mm -hmm. and um we were standing next to a lighthouse where people lived and else there was nothing nothing about it was a, a beautiful cape um so one night we walked 200 meters away from our truck to watch the sunset. Mm -hmm. We locked the bikes together with a good lock. We locked them to the truck. And when we came back, they were gone. Oh, wow. So they were outside of the van. They were outside of the of the van. They were well locked. Okay. Um, but still, somebody must have watched us yeah. and taken the chance um, <laughs> to... Um, well, just to take our bikes and um, yeah. e-bikes have become so sexy that they are now very, very stealable items. And our bikes were sexy. <laughs> I have to, I have to say, there were um, there were pre-production models mm -hmm. um, that were ex uh, especially built up for for that trip. And um, a bit after we got the first two models, they. Um, they were launched on the market, so they're they're all on sale right now. It's the uh, new XF3 adventure model from the German uh, Berlin-based uh, manufacturer H&F Nikolai. Okay. And um, apart from having lost our mobility, not all of it, uh, our truck that we called Elefantino was not touched, luckily. Lovely name, uh, by the way. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> But still, uh, we lost a big portion of our mobility and we also lost the tools that we were working with. Yeah. For many years, I have made my income with uh, talking about my uh, experiences, my e-bike trips and talking about that in articles and uh, at public presentations. 
Um, and of course, we were doing that during this trip as well. And now the bikes were gone and it felt like our factory had burnt down. <laughs> yeah, we, we tried to really understand what happened. And it also helped us to kind of accept the situation as it was. Um, and we put up flyers everywhere in the area and, and promised uh, quite a bit of money uh, if somebody uh, finds our bikes and brings them back to us. So we stayed uh, in the area for quite a while. Um, nothing really promising happened. Um, so then we, we decided to take Elefantino and uh, travel further down south. Um, we had a great time in Portugal, such a beautiful country. Mm -hmm. uh, but then, uh, but then the situation uh, became more difficult again, and uh, we left Portugal, like I said before. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh... And of course, and of course, um, from every situation, no matter how bad it is, you can learn something. Yeah. And um, in that moment, even though we locked the bike, we totally followed our our feelings, our our instincts, and we felt safe. Mm -hmm. And this can be tricky, <laughs> as we learned. So what I take from this situation is no matter how safe you feel, don't think about locking your bikes, just do it. Yes. And the best thing to do it, do it with two different types of locks. So the thief will need two different tools to, uh, to break them. Yeah. Okay, um, and also... Sure, uh, just a little story. When I was living in London... I had one of those crappy city bikes and I had three different locks oh, for wow. my uh -huh. crappy bike and still it, someone tried wow. to steal my bike and they only managed to get through one lock and a half and because they couldn't steal my bike they just cut the spokes of my wheels but yeah I totally what, what I mean to say is that I totally defend that you should carry different type of locks because if you have one tool maybe it's not the tool you need to break the other lock yeah the only th also you have a couple of little experiences on stealing or trying to steal in bikes. The only thing that we can do because we have to be completely sincere here. It's just a matter of time, and then anybody that has not so good, let's say, intentions can break through your locks and get the bike. It's just a matter of time. So the best thing that we can do is making this process longer. So that's why two, three types of locks, it means that actually they need to spend a bit more time on uh, breaking the locks there. And so this means that somebody can, can see them or they can just think, okay, it takes so much time and then they can leave them alone. But that's the only thing that we can do. Can I just ask a question, Suzanne? A bit, sure. a bit well, on the topic of locks. Um, you, you, you're probably familiar with the, the Van Move bikes. Uh, yes, this, they have a electrified S3 model, mm -hmm. and the um, the the news that I kept reading about it is that they have uh, like integrated security system in the bike that mm -hmm. uses GPS to track the bike. It has like an alarm on there, so it will start uh, sounding if someone touches it when it's just standing there. Mm -hmm. um, and they are so confident in this system that they even have like a department within the company that um, I think they call the bike hunters or something like that, that when a bike gets stolen, they'll try to investigate and try to find it for you through the GPS system. Um, what do you think of those systems versus locks? Because when I was in Amsterdam, I saw those bikes just like very confidently out on the street, uh, out on the, on the sidewalk, 
not locked to anything. You didn't see any lock. It was just <coughs> out and let the electricity or the, uh, the electric system do its work. What do you think about those type of uh, security systems? I think it is such a great idea. And um, I actually, my new bike has a GPS tracker built in. <laughs> and um, my I have an app on my phone that always tells me when uh, my bike is moved or switched on and off. And okay. I had uh, the app active even though I was using the bike myself just to see how promptly it reacts. And it works 100% reliable. Ooh. And this is this is fantastic to know. Um, it, uh, but I would probably system? Um, it is for for sale. Um, you can um, you can install it later on, or um, some manufacturers, I believe, at least H and F Nikolai does. Uh, when you buy your bike and you configure it through the online configurator, um, you can you can add this as an option. That's super cool. Mm -hmm. And so they they built it right into the system, um, so it is it is not easy to know where it is or 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 take it out. Yeah, and um, yeah, that that makes me feel a lot more safe. <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, but still, even if I know there's the GPS tracker inside, and if I lock the bike, um, it is hard to 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 walk away. I prefer yeah. now to to stay with my bike <laughs> day and <Yeah>. night. <laughs> Just to stay one second, I want to give also another tip. To stay on security systems, there is a system that you can put in uh, all your bikes. So it's something that you can put it inside even uh, in a bike that, yes, you already have and whatever. The name of the system is called Sherlock and it's an Italian project and it's exactly the same. It's a GPS uh tracker that you can install into your bike is also not so visible at all so people don't know what you have there and actually in case somebody wants to steal it or whatever you can track back the bike and it has a lot of features that are really cool so oh, that's another thing to keep in mind there are so many and then there are amazing locks and uh, maybe i want to just mention in one second tiger there's the reason yeah. why uh, myself, Tristan and Belen got to know each other and uh, is this amazing system of uh, amazing people are, amazing, are making and producing this amazing system of uh, locking your bike is a titanium uh, lock that basically is, let's say, almost indestructible. And yeah, this, this I was saying, this was actually the reason why I met Tristan and Belen was because I locked my bike with this system, actually my girlfriend's bike with this system, they tried to steal it, they could not do it. Then I wrote to Jim at Tiger, and then we started chitty chatting. At a certain point, he told me, why don't you talk with Tristan and Belen? They are great and amazing travelers on the bike. I think it's going to be a great uh, add to your podcast. And, and look we, at we are we here. Went, we went to visit him uh -huh. in, uh, in Seattle, or yeah. outside of Seattle. Yeah, he, and was, he was actually... Uh, ended up the the last model that is out in the market, the blue. Yeah, the blue. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it was so much fun because he had all kind of tools to break through locks. And for wow. the morning, it was like if if he doesn't run this company, you'd think he steals all the bikes yeah. in Seattle. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So we spent the whole morning just trying to destroy one of his locks. Yeah, it was super, super difficult. Yeah. Super, super difficult. Those things are nearly unbreakable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I uh, mean. 
there there's lots of uh, lots of good stuff on the market to to secure your bike it's super important and i love the tip to just always lock it no matter how safe you feel yeah 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 also i mean and insurance is a great thing to have um, yeah. um and uh, there is insurances out there um that that work together with the company who offers the gps trackers so in case your bike gets stolen um the tracker company um basically um informs the local police and uh, if they cannot find the bike uh, then the insurance takes care of the rest and basically replaces uh, uh, the bike and pays you um, the money for for, for a new one. Nice. Um, so I've been looking into that. Um, and the other question is, okay, you have a GPS tracker inside your bike. It, it for some reason, gets uh, stolen and then you can see where it is. What, what do you do then? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we made this experience. We went to the police, of course, in Portugal. Um, and we kind of expected that maybe they would be helpful. But uh, in the end, we figured, uh, no, they just, they just do their bureaucratic um, uh, uh, obligations. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and the rest is up to you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. So, and then we were thinking, oh, where is it that our bikes could be? And if we knew if it is kind of a dark and a weird uh, backyard, what would you do? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah. that's that's an interesting uh, aspect to look into. So that's why I think the um, the idea of having an insurance in the background uh, is quite nice, and uh, knowing that the insurance works with the local police, so this is not up to you. Yeah. Um, yeah. For, and it's great to see what uh, what 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 options there are popping up on the market to secure um right. the bikes which are not cheap, right? I I just I just saw the uh the the average price for bicycles in general in general in Germany has um has hit the 3000 euro mark and like in our case um it was a value of 20000 euros that was gone. Oof. And uh, that hurts. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I I want to put in one more thing on the tracking before we move on. I'm super interested myself, and uh, a good friend of ours in Milan is too. He's American. He lives there. He loves cycling. Goes by bike everywhere. He's had a few bikes stolen, even like custom-made bikes for his birthday. Um, wow. And he is currently very enthusiastic about this AirTag stuff from Apple. Like mm-hmm. the little the little GPS chips that you can stick and and tag onto anything, and so we're wondering when uh, someone will test the range of this thing because it works together with like a network of iOS devices all over the world. They can all recognize each other, so it's essentially like a huge group system to track down where your your thing, your backpack, or your bike goes to. So we're currently looking into how uh, how it reacts within a material. Like if you put it in a steel frame, if it still has the range, it's still detected, etc. But yeah, I'm super enthusiastic about that uh, option as well for a bit of self-prevention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, uh, it's super good that actually the technology is moving in this way, especially to keep our bicycle pretty safe especially in periods where now seems like they are really as you were saying before they're started being something like goods that are really sexy people really want a bike at any cost and now seems like the supply chain cannot provide us with that so 
people are using some other ways. Let's put it in this way. Um, I just want to uh, keep on the conversation about uh, Susanne and uh, e-bikes. And let's, let's go in this direction. So it's super cool that uh, we are talking about mid-90s, end of 90s. You had to invent a word to define the bicycle that you were riding because there were some uh, gaps in the middle. You don't want to say assisted because actually we are all able to ride the bike. It's just uh, another extra push. So you need to really come out with the word pedelec. Now I'm actually checking the other side of the spectrum. Now e-bikes are so shared around the world. Everybody's get used to that. Everybody wants one, as we were saying before. And so e-bikes are really into the world. And now... I don't know if society or the market itself came out, and that's something that I'm listening in Italian, but also from time to time in English, came out with a word to define the classic bikes. It's coming out pretty often that I hear about e-bikes and muscular bikes. What do you think about this evolution? What do you think how actually um, e-bikes really get into the uh, daily life now? And do you see a perspective that people now would also use e-bikes also for traveling, like you have done, and how we are going to go through in one second? Or you think that still the thing in our head is, okay, an e-bike is good to have commuting or long commuting and nothing else? I definitely see a trend um, that that e-bike is a great thing to travel. Mm-hmm. And um, Corona, sorry to use the word again. No, 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 um, don't be sorry. Has even has even boosted this trend, has pushed this trend because um, flights were cancelled, where we were not allowed to travel. So what what do people do to get out? They discover um, the areas near closer to their homes. And the great way to do that and to get exercise at the same time is to do it by bike. Mm -hmm. And um, traveling on an electric bike has a couple of advantages. Like um, you're, you're faster than walking or cycling on a regular bike. Um, you can do steeper hills more easily. You can climb up steep mountains without being completely dead when you arrive at the top. And at the same time, you're, you're slower than by car or slower than by motorcycle. And that gives you the chance to see a lot more things that are to the left and to the right of your path. Mm -hmm. And what I found as, a, as one of the biggest advantages is that the electric system and the fact that you can choose the assistance mode, choose the amount of assistance that you want to have from the motor, um, levels out um, differences in performance. Like if, if somebody, if a friend you want to cycle with is fitter than you are or is less fit, um, it doesn't matter mm -hmm. because you can... Um, you can get on the same level by choosing the right assistance mode. And that allows friends, families, even whole groups to go bicycle traveling together. And this, this is a great, um, a great benefit that the tourism industry can use because all of a sudden they don't have these big problems of, of different uh, physical shapes and different fitness levels within one group. They can easily... Um, 
find um, find a level that works for all of the participants. Yeah, my question is actually because we are different typologies of e-bikes. The two main ones that actually I recognize on the road. Uh, and probably I'm going to make some mistake on the vocabulary there. But there are the ones that are the classic pedal-assisted one that are uh, up to 250 watts, 25 kilometers mm-hmm. per hour, right? Yes. And then there are the ones yes. that they need a plaque, right? Yes. We, what do you use first? And which one is actually the best maybe for making the kind of travels around the continents like you do? It is very difficult to say what is uh, best and what is not. It totally depends where you want to travel and where you want to ride. Mm-hmm. Like um, the distinction between those two groups um, is especially evident in Europe. Um, and looking at Europe, um, Germany, the Netherlands, Denmark, and the biggest markets for electric bikes is where um, uh, where it is where people pay most attention to rules like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, the big advantage of the 25 kilometer uh, per hour version is that it is legally regarded as a bicycle. Okay. That means you can ride it anywhere where you can ride a bicycle, on bike lanes, in parks, um, on, on mountain trails, in the forest, everywhere. And the disadvantage is that 25 kilometers per hour is not very fast. So um, most people reach that speed limit even without a motor easily. Mm-hmm. And um, now when you get to this limit, especially on the flat or downhill, you always get this feeling of getting over and, and uh, it's always like this uh, 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 back oh, yeah. and forth. Mm-hmm. And um, and it gives you that feeling that some somebody breaks you down, and I I don't really like it that much. So this is why most of the time I'm using a speed pedaling. Okay. Um, but according to the European uh, regulations, um, a speed pedaling needs a number plate. You have to wear a, a, a helmet. Well, a helmet is a, a national thing. The European Union regulates the speed limit and the power limit, mm-hmm. which is at 500 uh, watts. Okay. And the speed limit is 45 kilometers per hour. And the bikes, the bike needs to meet, and the components need to meet certain safety standards. Um, and then, um, and then the countries themselves they regulate where speed pedelecs are allowed to drive, and if you need a helmet and things like that. And Germany. Uh, you're allowed to dri- to ride a speed pedelec um, only on the road. Okay. Officially, no bike lanes, no parks, no mountain trails. Um, for- forest trails are okay as long as uh, as as forest cars are allowed. Okay. And uh, there is there are some exceptions, um, but there needs to be a sign that uh, officially allows speed pedelecs and mopeds and other vehicles on a certain on a certain trail. Um, but as soon as you get out of Europe, and already when you get out of like Central Europe, mm-hmm. nobody really cares. Okay. Okay. But the 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 problem is if an accident happens. Of course. Um, 
<clears throat> but yes, um, coming back to that, I prefer the faster versions because also from 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 your riding feeling, it makes a big difference if you ride 25 kilometers per hour um, and and try to kind of put the brakes on your own energy to stay below that limit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Or you just go over it, and then you have all the extra weight and 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 all the technical hassle, um, uh, and you still have to pedal uh, out of your own power completely. Yeah. So that that is the choice that everybody has to make uh, for themselves. Are yeah. there any? Uh, sorry, Tristan. Uh, just go with that. Uh, are there any differences also in the battery between the two different categories, or is just a matter of power? Because I assume that the bigger the most powerful is the engine the most energy consuming it is so yes it does eat a bit more battery okay so you need a bigger battery for that uh, usually um the espedalex don't have a bigger battery okay um they have a bit less range but then again it's up to you to um to to influence um the range uh, okay. that the battery gives you because you can you can play with the assistance modes and <laughs> it is most fun to to ride in the highest assistance mode yeah which um, of course it is on a boss system is is the turbo mode but um uh, if you see your your titan battery um then you just switch down okay and to be on the side of uh Bedelec for a second the time and the development within the technology has really helped um sort of clo- uh, close this problem a little bit that you're describing the the, the reaching to the kilometers and then falling back on your own power and and the weight of the bike because electric bikes at least the the the, the regular pedelec i guess they're becoming lighter they have longer battery range and the assistance uh, technology the way it decides when to help you and where and with how much the resistance of the motor, all that stuff, is getting much, much better over time. Already the year we're in now, you can buy bikes that have barely any resistance, weigh the same as a regular steel frame, 12 kilos or something like that. They're pricey, but they they already have that technology. And of course, over time, that will get cheaper and more available to different kind of bicycles. So I think that problem might become smaller and smaller as we move on into the development of uh, electric bikes. I, absol- I absolutely agree with you. And um, the technology is so well developed uh, today that um, you don't really feel the, the on and off. You only feel that um, you don't reach higher speeds at a certain level anymore. Yeah. And uh, that you have to rely on your own muscle power and with the extra weight. But of course, especially if you're uh, cycling with luggage and um, you have to climb a steep hill, of course, the motor does help you a lot. Yeah. So that's why I say it is it is up to the preferences um, that everybody has. And if you are touring in Germany and you want to cycle... Um, cycle mountain trails and on the cycling lanes um the better choice will probably be um to take a regular pedelec um but uh, if you if you're crossing the desert of morocco 
Um, well, energy consumption is one aspect, but um, you may want uh, to be able to ride a little faster. Mm. What was the bike you used in Mongolia, the one with the solar uh, trailer behind? Um, I did this trip with an electric bike dealer uh, together, um, and he was about to launch his own uh, model, his, his own brand called Snakey. Um, later on, he decided to do something else, so that um, that brand has never entered the market. But uh, basically, it was a hardtail mountain bike, pretty simple mountain bike, and uh, it used the uh, Go Swiss Drive uh hub motor that is not on the market anymore and we had prototype batteries that we tested during that trip wow it was a full prototype then yes it was okay (laughs) super exciting can we talk a little bit more about that journey i'm just really really interested in your your general experience because having like we we've cycled in kyrgyzstan and tajikistan on regular bikes and already there's so much attention. People are so curious. Mm-hmm. I can imagine that you must have looked like you came out of space, like from another planet. <laughs> what What were the the responses? And did people want to to try the bike, or were they averse, like against it, or what What happened? Um, I would say ninety nine point nine percent of the reactions that we got were really positive. And I mean, if if you have a bike that people haven't seen before and then extra luggage and the trailer you are a total eye catcher yes you are a total eye catcher and especially in in uh, mongolia um people were so interested in the solar technology and how we collected our energy because they have the same problem every day they live out there in the in the steppe and they want to operate their um cell phones their tv their fridge if they have one and they do that with solar panels um so they we had do there they do that nice um not everyone but we have seen it um and whenever we got to a place and we couldn't see anything or anyone around for kilometers and kilometers we would be there for an hour and people would come would start to come and they would sit in front of our tent and in the morning and wait until we wake up so they could ask us questions or they could take a test ride or they wanted maybe just to see who we are and what we do. And we hardly had a common language, so communication was a bit limited. Um, and I was doing this... That scene from Arrival <laughs> in the movie where she's talking to the octopus creatures. <laughs> 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 and yeah, it was funny. I mean, I, I speak Russian, so uh, that some, sometimes helped oh, that helps. Yeah. Uh, with, uh, with, with, with people in Mongolia. And uh, whenever we found somebody who spoke uh, Russian as well, we could ask all our questions and, and had great conversations. Um, but sometimes we just communicated with hands and feet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but the interest was there, and people were curious, and they were they were open minded. That was such a great experience. And uh, I remember, like last last fall, last yeah, towards the winter when I was cycling through Portugal, no trailer, no solar panels, just a uh, quite unique electric bicycle with luggage on it. 
some people would look at me like I was an alien, especially if I was crossing through small towns uh, in northern Portugal um, that in these times seemed like ghost towns. I hardly saw any people on the on the streets, but if there were people, and they didn't really know what to think about me. <laughs> that was the impression I got. And um, when I cycled through Western USA, like um, the reactions were very different, uh -huh. I have to say. California is a cycling nation, um, and people are very cycling friendly, even car drivers in cities like San Francisco. Mm -hmm. But uh, in California, I was a big cheater because I used electric power. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine in all the slopes up and down, actually people, they are really, let's say, they feel the effort on going up and down. Yeah. But yep. tell us more about this reaction because that's something that you can, I don't know, uh, it's about, and I'm going to talk about that in this way, it's about the tribes of cycling. I think that actually, and I think it's a marketing thing, people are really splitting the... Uh, the market in different tribes. So you can see, okay, mountain bikers, sea bikers, uh, road cyclists, gravel cyclists. Now everybody, they try to split to each other and everybody has something to complain with each other. And with e-bikes, I can feel it actually some of these uh, harsh comments, let's put it this way, can really hit you. Uh, did you feel any time this kind of hostility? Only very few times, and that was mainly in the Rocky Mountains, um, where we saw road racing cyclists that um, that pushed really hard uh, to get up the hill, and I mean they were goddamn fit, okay. <laughs> and then um, and then we passed with our electric bikes with lots of luggage and um, not as fit as him, um, and even chatting with each other okay and i i can totally understand that this is that is received as kind of an offense um and i i just put on the habit of of saying hello and and sorry i'm cheating okay <laughs> and then the, and then they were they were usually fine um but we, uh, I think we had a completely to... contrary sorry sorry tristan Sorry, I, I just think we have to get over that stigma already. If I may just put a plea for getting over the stigma. Absolutely. Of bikes being for lazy people or cheating or all this stuff. Like, Absolutely. Everybody's heard it oh. enough. We all know the fun has been made. The joke is over. Yeah, abso oh, absolutely. Completely. But I'm, I'm, I'm talking about experiences from 2016. Okay. And um, and the whole the whole market and the whole acceptance of e-bike has has changed since then and has developed towards the positive very much. Um, and there will always be people like there's photographers who use analog cameras. There will always be people who um, keep using their their regular bicycles, and this is totally fine. I mean, we all have the choice. But uh, what we see happening is that electric bikes take over more and more market share of the whole uh, bicycle market. I think in the Netherlands, one in two bikes is uh, electric, one in two bikes sold. Mm -hmm. We're close to that in Germany with, I believe, 39% uh, market share of uh, wow. e-bikes in a market 
that is around four million bicycles sold every year. So um, that that is quite a lot. Yeah. And ten years ago, when uh, when I started traveling on e-bikes, you could not imagine something like that would happen. I mean, there were smart brains who who um, who predicted this to happen, like Hannes Neupert from Extra Energy, for example. Um, but it was hard to believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but if I can actually add, continuing on this market conversation, I don't really believe that most of the, the biggest competitor of e-bikes are bikes in general. I believe that actually the e-bike, the e-bike um, advertising and the e-bike uh, development is going a bit more on the direction of smart commuting or smart traveling because who has a bike always has ridden a, bi ridden a bike I think they're going to continue to ride the bike in the same way they probably can have a backup bike uh, that is an e-bike in order to go for example for longer commuting or stuff like this but the person that are really going to make the switch are the ones that are going to start dropping public transport or even better cars and start riding an e-bike because they find it something like on something a bit easier to ride into the city or to move from one side to the other or to have a weekend adventure or whatever adventure. So that's why that's what I think this development of the e-bike is going a bit more on getting some more market share more than just um, fulfilling the one that is already there what do you think exactly i see it the same way like um e-bikes uh let the bicycle market in general grow because they attract uh user groups who who um who come from other types of vehicles and hop on an electric bike um, like, for example, uh, people who used public transportation before, uh, people who used the car in cities before, um, and, um, and the developments during the past year have given this uh, tendency a big push again. Yes. Let's go a bit more into the unknown side, because we talked a lot about um, something like the bright part of cycling and discovering and going into the world and touring into places where you can usually you need to be super well prepared you know to do it and probably having an e-bike gives you the extra push and also an extra uh, power slot to go through that so we talked about morocco you were saying okay morocco probably is better to have an s pedelec uh i believe that actually um going into Mongolia is more or less the same thing you have made from north to south of North America and that's another amazing trip but you have to bring there something that can be complicated logistically to bring there so let's go a bit more in the dark side of it how is it for you to move batteries around because it that's my nightmare and i don't only bring small aaa batteries around for my recorder when i need to move around for my podcast for you we are talking about different dimensions of batteries well um shipping batteries from a to b is probably the or was probably the biggest adventure of all my adventures <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> um uh, i was lucky because i had a lot of help um, in general, um, 
lithium-ion batteries that are used in today's electric bikes are hazardous goods, Group 9. So they have been shipped uh, accordingly. Okay. Uh, this means... Uh, they require special packaging, they require um, a lot of paperwork, and they require um, especially uh, educated staff at the side of the, of the, of the shipping company. Um, you can, sh so shippers like DHL, TNT, um, they do ship hazardous goods, but you usually have to have a company account with them um, in order to be able to do that. And then um, depending on the destination where you want to ship the batteries, they have to have qualified staff at that location. So if the one shipper doesn't do it, maybe another one does because he has staff there. Um, there, is, uh, there is special packaging and shipping companies uh, that... Uh, that um, that are specialized on hazardous goods. So you could go ahead and use that. But uh, generally speaking, for a private person, it is quite difficult uh, to, to ship the batteries and it is also expensive. Okay. So I heard from people who wanted to take their own bikes with them to um, America and they do it by ship. Oh. They, they travel by ship by themselves and they take the bikes along. Oh wow! So this is this is one option, and um, e-bikes are getting more and more popular. And um, let's say at the beginning there were far more different propulsion systems and different uh, battery uh, battery types on the market. The market is focusing on 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 fewer systems like Bosch, Shimano, um, Bafang, and so on. Okay. So the chance that you can fly or, or, or travel by land to a destination and um, rent a battery there oh, um, wow. is better today than it was before. Still, it is not a very common service. And, yeah, and, and you don't so have your own bike. Exactly. That's and what is annoying, you spend so much money on an electric bike and then yet when you go on vacation and, and, and you want to have your own bike, okay, because it perfectly fits you. If you don't find a way to transport your bike without a battery and rent a battery at the location or transport your whole bike by ship or by land, um, if you want to fly to the destination, it is still an option to go ahead and rent um, a bike there. Yeah, I think bikes, e-bikes have the the same problem there as um, electric cars right now, 2021, because even though there is a lot of work being put into creating the right infrastructure for electric cars all around the world. Um, mm -hmm. So, for example, if I want to drive to Spain right now with an electric car, it would probably be a difficult journey because the infrastructure is not quite tuned out for that kind of trip. Um, I might need different passes or different uh, plugs or you know, all kinds of different things. Whereas a unified system, like what, for example, uh, happened to the Tesla charging infrastructure, it has proved to work. And I would say that for the electric bike, this is a bit similar. It needs, in order for it, for it to work um, for traveling, it needs a kind of infrastructure that is at least a little unified all around the world. 
it's going to take a long time to get there but if you can imagine you know riding your bike all around europe and for example having a an easy train connection that you can put your bike on which is a horror in general then then it will be easier to get to move around with your electric bike and in terms of yeah you know just the general infrastructure for charging points for your bike like public charging being available for any bicycle that you just park somewhere um in a park or at a bar at a restaurant uh, at a campsite that infrastructure still needs a long time to be laid out and i think it will eventually make uh, the big change that uh, the e-bike market needs for travel to become a possibility on e-bikes at least locally and sort of on continent and countries around you yeah yeah yeah. and it's not only about because actually i didn't i never thought about okay i can bring there my bike and then i can rent a battery but that's super smart basically to do just renting the batteries is something amazing but also on the other side you need also as you were mentioning Tristan, something like places where you can just stop for a couple of hours and then have the possibility of charging all the bikes or just parking them without having any problem or transporting them without having any problems and so this different part of the structure of the infrastructure is really important like uh, how charging your phone at a bar has become a normal thing like you can ask for a plug and you put your charger and while that might be accepted for electric bikes here and there it's not really a common thing yet yes so i'm waiting for that moment and it's also you know it's this whole e-bike conversation it's another reason we put uh, we really wanted to put susanna's story in 50 ways because it is a very very solid way of traveling already and by putting it in this book we hope that it has the effect to kind of normalize the topic a little bit and show it to more people it might be in companies related to infrastructure or bike companies or you know running a campsite and feeling inspired to put charging points up um, that we hope that it has that effect that it kind of brings it a little bit further and i think easily that because anything you do promotes that uh, moving forward <laughs> this has always been uh, kind of my focus i was very early in the um in the e-bike development and i'm used to being a pioneer and uh talking about things that are just about to develop and uh, showing people um, how it works and what benefit it could be for them. And then I did this trip uh, through the US when Europe was already um, kind of in the process of really developing that market. And it in 2016, it had just started in the US. And uh, that was also a reason for me why I wanted to to do especially that trip of traveling by e-bikes through Western USA um, to show people what um, what they can do on an e-bike and what they can experience and um, that you don't have to use a car to drive from one fantastic national park to the other, um, but that it's a great thing to discover the areas in between where there's no tourists and the landscape is just as amazing. Um, so th the the thought behind that trip was, was a bit of um, kind of education. I wanted to inspire people. Um, and, and now at this point, 
Um, I'm really looking forward to do a new experience by myself again because it will be a solo trip. Okay. I've never done a solo trip on an e-bike before and it is nothing special. I mean, hundreds of people have done Spain to Germany before on a bicycle. But um but I think in 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 these special times it will be a new experience because any day everything can be closed. I don't know. <laughs> so I I am I'm prepared uh, to um to be in challenging situations to find uh, power outlets. If everything stays open in Spain, it's 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 no problem. I will find electricity at campsites, in hostels, in restaurants, at gas stations. But um, if everything is closed and I don't know exactly what the situation is in France right now, I will check that out when as soon as I get closer. Um, yeah, this is this is a new component. This is a new uh, a new challenge to a travel project that in itself is nothing new anymore. But um, and 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 I'm I'm excited to and, and I'm really thankful I have the chance uh, to do this and to check this out and maybe uh, encourage and inspire people to um, not completely uh, lock themselves into their homes. Yeah. Right. And I think if the trip becomes a success, that can be sort of a benchmark for when times normalize a little bit. That mm -hmm. possible already then, so it will for sure be possible when everyone is able to move a bit more freely again and everything is open again when when the infrastructure is uh, is more available. Yeah, so I'll definitely uh, talk about my journey and uh, keep everyone who's interested updated over my Instagram channel and over Facebook at uh, Pedelec Adventures. And uh, of course, I'll be happy about uh, every every comment and I'll be happy to answer questions um, while, while I'm crossing uh, Europe. Um, something that I want to ask you, because I've seen from the book a lot of setup of yours. I can see a super light setup with just a backpack and a little frame. No, it was actually uh, an handlebar bag. And I think this is your trip in Iceland. I can see definitely panniers, and this is North America. Something light as well, and uh, uh, it's North America. Uh, something light as well for the Sahara. I can see for sure your um, trolley on uh, uh, the Mongolian one. What's the one that you have right now? And maybe something that I can add on that as a question, and we can go through that. How many batteries do you bring by yourself uh, to, on yourself? Because I think that the worst nightmare that you can get is to run out of juice when you are climbing a super steep mountains and you're also super heavy on your bike. So, yep, <laughs> I agree with you. That's mm. something I want to avoid. Okay. <laughs> um. So if you have seen the pictures of E-Traction, the trip so far, when I when I was traveling by bike, I had uh, two panniers and a handlebar bag. Okay. That was the luggage to be safe for the day, at knowing that at nighttime I would meet with Silvio, we would have the truck right there and we would sleep in the truck. Okay. And we would cook in the truck as well. Mm -hmm. Like now as I'm going solo, I have uh, to carry everything by myself, of course. Uh, like tent, cooking utensils, 
food, enough water, sleeping bag, um, spare parts, all these things. Okay. So I have I have two um, big Ortley paneers, uh, which have done such a great job um, so far uh, on all the trips that I've done. Then then I have always two, the uh, same. So you have the same Ortley paneers for all your history of e-bike um, traveling. Well, always this always the same style. Ah, okay. Um, the ones that I have now are are the big ones. Okay. But they were not always exactly the same. Okay, okay. No, because they are indestructible. Um, I know that they last pretty long, but yeah, I would say they do. Twenty years, <laughs> I thought probably of traveling so much as you are doing. I thought it was extreme. Well, I have two uh, two bags um, in the front, mm -hmm. um, and then um, on the back I have I have a, a duffel that I put on top of the two panniers. Yes. And I will carry a small backpack that has my computer and um, and uh, hard drives with all the photos and um, and some other technical equipment. And if I get tired of wearing the backpack, I I still put the backpack on top of of the duffel. Okay. 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 Um, I had I had to. Um, to improvise a little bit or to um, to found to find a solution that works for me right now with the handlebar bag I just love that handlebar bag and I don't want to travel without but um, as many of you know usually the front light is positioned um, at the lower part of the of the handlebar mm -hmm. so um, that always collides with the handlebar bag okay and um, with the bikes that were stolen, we uh, kind of rebuilt the whole system so we could fix the handlebar bag and that the, the, the supernova light below. Um, like with the possibilities I have here, I couldn't do that. So what I did is I put a, a rear rack on the front that has a platform on top. Oh, wow. And um, I will fix the handlebar bag to that platform on the top of the, of of the rack, okay. And I, I've I've tested that with a strap and uh, with clet. What's the word in English? <laughs> Tristan Bellin, maybe you can help with like that that sticky kind of textile. And, uh, Velcro. Um, oh, Velcro, yeah, Velcro, exactly. <laughs> and uh, I tested I tested that before, and um, I think it will work. <laughs> And I, I like those things when uh, when you have to find uh, solutions yourself. Like the same thing with uh, with uh, the bottles. Uh, there's a lot of options where you can put the bottles. Now I found a way to fix them to the left and to the right of the of of the steering front. Mm -hmm. Oh, nice! So um, and and tested that, and it works quite well. And if for for those who follow my trip, you will you will see it in the pictures later on. That's awesome. How many how many batteries then, and where do you put your spare batteries? Okay, that is a very good question. Now, um, the reason why we're here in Spain is because we received our new bikes from uh, H and F Nikolai here. Okay. And uh, they're equipped with two batteries. One is integrated in the frame, and the the other one is attached to the frame. So while we were riding the XF3 adventure um, before they were stolen, we now have um, we now have the XD3 model. Um, it's configured a bit different. It's not 
doesn't have full suspension. It's a hardtail bike. Mm -hmm. And on this bike, like the second uh, battery um, is attached to the frame from the outside. Okay. In total, I'm carrying four batteries. Okay. One of the smaller one that has 500 watt hours and three of the large one with uh, 625 watt hours each. Okay. So that gives me almost 2,400 watt hours. Um, from my experience, like yeah, from my experience so far, this is between three and four hundred kilometers of range. Wow. Okay. And how long to charge one of them? I have two fast chargers with me. Of course, that's a big bunch of, of luggage and of weight as well. Um, around around two hours. Twelve days. Okay, twelve day, All of them one, for. Oh, what charging one? One battery. So, um, if I have to charge all batteries, it will be I have to uh, to switch charges in between when the first bunch is full to charge the second bunch, and that will, yeah, then I I will need about four hours. Four hours. Well, it's not bad, I would say. Actually, you can, uh, yeah, with a long lunch, you can actually fix everything, or otherwise, with a good night, you can actually recharge everything pretty easily. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Spanish and. Lunch. Spain that's what I was saying. I was thinking absolutely about that, a Spanish lunch. <laughs> yeah, and there's never a problem with uh, staying in a place uh, and and taking out the computer and doing some work or work with work with my phone if, <laughs> if the computer uh, needs to be charged or whatever. Um, so um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I totally don't have a problem with that because in my regular life, I I very often uh, just work in cafes. I, I actually now that you say that, just for fun, I'm wondering if uh, electric bikes will at some point have the possibility to charge your devices. Like my my computer is out of juice, so I need to charge it. There's nothing there. My my um, e-bike battery is fully loaded. Now I'm gonna charge the laptop with it. I hope that will be possible. Like we had this kind of setup with our uh, solar trailers. Um, uh, we I used a buffer battery um, that was charged through the solar panels, and I could use this buff buffer battery to charge my computer through a special um, uh, charger, mm -hmm. and of course all the USB devices as well. Um, and I'm I'm waiting for that day when they can do this with uh, the bike battery. Yeah. Now um, the the um, the Bosch system, the Kiox uh, board computer has uh, a USB outlet but it's 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 not the regular uh, USB that I would use for my uh, GoPro for my uh, smartphone mm -hmm. and things like that so I hope in the future um, this will be more uh, compatible yeah because the issue with um, with a dynamo is that it never delivers a constant voltage so it's a, like a weird charging pattern that can damage the battery of your device but with a battery communicating to another battery, it can be a really stable offload mm. and, and load into the, the other device. So it's also mm -hmm. more, uh, more uh, safe, I guess, and safer well, for your device. Well, I'm carrying, I'm carrying two uh, power banks mm -hmm. uh, along. So if I run out of power for my USB devices uh, while on the road, can charge my phone through that and uh, my cameras and um, yeah. camera batteries and <laughs> most of my devices actually. 
I mean, this is this is all quite technical, and maybe for some of the listeners who were keen on trying e-bike travel, maybe it sounds too daunting now with all the carrying extra things and all this. Um, would you say that if you just go really basic and we don't talk about charging your devices, we did, we just talk about a simple bike tour, let's say around your country or into another country, is there a bike that you could recommend that could do that rather easily without too much hassle of charging or or um, the, the bike technicalities? I think you can do this with the most bikes that are available on the market. And in the end, um, you have to find your own uh, preferences. Um, if you want to go light, if this is your uh, your priority, or if you have uh, want to have a bigger range, uh, so you can do more distance in a day. If that's the priority, you would choose a different bike. So if you can go on um, paved uh, bike lanes all the time, you would probably choose a different bike uh, compared to uh, going to the mountains and doing difficult trails. Um, so it totally depends on on the purpose or on your on your trip. Um, I would say technically, um, most of the bikes that are available on the market do a pretty good job uh, today. This was not the same thing uh, 15 years ago, but uh, today the technology um, is is very far developed. Um, so yeah, I would definitely look into um, what you want to do on your trip and where you want to ride and then pick the right bike according uh, to that. Right. Or do it the other way. You have a mountain bike right there. With a mountain bike, you can do almost anything. Or if you have a city bike uh, standing in your garage and you want to do a trip with that without buying um, a, a, a new bike, then you just uh, look for... Um, Look for a trip that you can easily and comfortably do uh, on that particular bike. Yeah. Jump in and try it out. This is always the best tip that you can give to people. Jump in, use what you have, and try it out. And then you can actually adjust your need, adjust your tools according to your needs. Yeah. Exactly. And it's different on, on, on every trip. And um, for what what I'm doing um, right now, this is actually a very comfortable situation. I mean, um, and you have done that before, uh, Tristan and, and, and Berlin. Um, there's infrastructure right there. In the end, if you are okay with relying on restaurants, if you are relying on, on hostels or hotels, you don't need to carry that much luggage. Um, I prepared myself for being as as much self-sufficient as I could possibly be for this trip because I don't know what's happening in this what's going to happen in this situation. Mm -hmm. But in normal times uh, you would know there's enough power outlets on your way, there's enough uh, infrastructure on your way that you don't have to carry like lots of batteries, lots of power banks and tents and lots of food um, by yourself unless you want to sleep out in the nature. That That's a different story then. But again, that's a question of priorities that you have for your trip. Right. So it all depends on a lot of factors of the trip. But once you have things dialed down and you have already a bike in your garage 
that you could technically use for that trip. You just try it out, you give it a go, you see if it works. And then if you want to go more more into a niche, then you you try to find as much information and uh, and find a, a bike that works for yeah, that or, particular or niche. rent for a specific weekend or, or trip. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. Nice. Super good. I would love actually to uh, wrap up our super helpful conversation and uh, super fascinating anyways, talking about e-bikes and talking about a lot of details. We went pretty nerd on it and uh, I like from time <laughs> to time on doing that. I'm super happy. I came, I'm coming out also from another interview yesterday uh, for my regular show and also I went super, super, super nerd. So it seems like this is the trend. But in order to humanize a bit more our conversation, I would like to wrap it up by asking you can you tell us Susanne some uh, a couple of cool anecdotes that happened to you while traveling and that probably would not have happened without having, you having traveling with an e-bike more than a normal bike than a bike it is not normal bike everything is normal sorry for that um I have a couple of situations coming into my head and um, the biggest anecdote related to traveling on an e-bike is probably when we went to Mongolia and um, at that time it was uh, still okay to um, fly an electric bike without the battery um, uh, as a passenger luggage on the airline. Okay. So we were at the counter of the Aeroflot, um, <laughs> flying through Moscow to Ulaanbaatar, the capital of Mongolia, and we had um, we had our bikes, we had the trailers uh, wrapped up, and we had our passenger luggage. And then um, the counter said uh, there was a sign at the counter: max thirty-two kilo. No max 52 kilos anyway there was a certain limit on the weight and um we had researched that max weight um ahead of time so we were sure it should be accepted and then uh the lady at the counter said no you can't take this it's too much it's too heavy <laughs> and then we turned around that sign on her counter um that said the maximum weight that was allowed Mm -hmm. And then she just burst out and said, this damn regulations of Aeroflot, they change all the time. Well, go ahead. We take everything. Lucky us. And the, the batteries were shipped separately. But okay. what we did not know at that point was that Mongolia had an embargo on hazardous goods. So the batteries got stuck somewhere in Beijing in China. And we had no idea if they would ever make it to Mongolia. At that time, we had eight batteries, like four uh, batteries each. each. Mm. Um, they, they, they had less capacity back then. It was the first generation of the bus system. Um, and, um, well, finally, they got into Mongolia and they, they, uh, they got stuck in customs. And then we had to pay 500 euros to get them out of, uh, out of customs. But uh, in the end, we had everything together and we could start our trip. So that maybe, again, is a bit nerdy. <laughs> yeah, but still, but, it's in the trend. But still, it is, it is the trend. And no matter how you travel, like if it's an unusual way of traveling, 
you definitely catch people's eyes. Yeah. Like I remember a situation in uh, Morocco where where we pulled our solar trailers along a small road um in the, in the southern part of Morocco and then some guy who passed with the car he stopped he got out of the car he was very well dressed in suit uh, spoke very well English and asked us about our uh, charging infrastructure and it turned out he was um he was responsible for uh for um, the the tourist uh, department uh in the area of Akka oh and we are still in touch today and uh, he keeps uh sending me emails asking if he could now finally buy the bikes and the, our solar trailers <laughs> and it turned out that at that time he was building a hotel for 300 guests that would run um by uh, solar energy mm -hmm. oh so and it's this it's these moments it's this um when you when you meet people and you find common interests uh or if you meet people and they just like what you do like for example um uh, when we came to spain on on this trip now in january We found a nice place uh, to park our truck uh, near the ocean and we stayed there for uh, a couple of days. And one day it knocked on our door and there was uh, there was two young people and they had a freshly baked tortilla in oh, their wow. hand and two beer. And they handed it to us and they said, welcome to Spain. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. And, and I, I, I almost cried. It was, <laughs> it was such... An amazing uh, feeling to to have the two young people liking what we do and just saying, "Hey, this is my country. Welcome here." And especially in the in in those times, uh, as a foreigner, as a traveler, you don't know um, if people like you here, um, yeah. and they can see a foreign number plate, so you don't know the reactions uh, ahead of time. So this was such a, a warm and welcoming gesture. And I think, um, yeah, I think this is a my favorite anecdote um, <laughs> to uh, to finish off this conversation. Yeah, that's super great. Well, I would say thanks a lot for this amazing talk, Susanne. It was cool, inspiring, and I really hope that a lot of people will hop on a bike soon even if they want to have an e-bike then by now because we all understood that actually is not so complicated that it sounds and have a nice and solid good adventure on it and uh, thanks a lot for making all these things and to inspiring all of us with your with your trips thank you so much uh, for this conversation to all of you and i hope i could encourage uh, many people to just hop on their e-bike and uh, experience nature ex experience the feeling of of actually having with you everything you need and uh, being free Absolutely. i really <laughs> i really like that nice well yeah. said thank you for coming on and best yeah, of luck for your for your trip now best of luck for your continuing the adventuring solo and actually you don't know people And actually, this is going to probably go live more or less the end of June. So probably this thing could have happened already. Maybe you saw it already on the social media. But hopefully we can see each other when you're swinging by Zurich here for me. And yeah, it's great. I hope so. Yes, yes, yes. We can go out for a ride. It's fine. 
I need to. Uh, I'm gonna actually try to provide a super good coffee place and cake place. So yeah, that's the best way. Very tempting. You already caught me. <laughs> no, because I'm already thinking I need to bake actually for this Saturday. I need to bake a cake because I'm planning to do a clunkers ride with coffee and cake. So that's why I'm thinking about cakes already. I have a lot of bananas. I'm gonna do banana bread, I think. I like those kind of rides. <laughs> yes, these are the best. <laughs> these, these are my rides. <laughs> Definitely my rides. <laughs> really, thanks a lot. And that's what I was saying. Best of luck for your for your trip. We are going to be sure to to follow you on the social medias and in all the kind of uh, news and photos that you are spreading around during your trip. Thanks so much, Stefano and uh, Belen and Tristan. And uh, I wish you all the all the best in thank these uh, times. Thank you. Thank you. Same to Stay you. well. <laughs> thank you. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. Lovely chat and lovely wrap of these fifty ways on the broom wagon. Thanks a lot, Susanne, for this great conversation, and I'm really really happy that now we debunked the myth. Especially in the super uh, muscular testosterone people that consider e-bikes like cheating. Well, it's a great tool to travel around the world. And I was super happy to have Susanne explaining us all the possibilities of using e-bikes as well as making the best out of it to explore the world. By wrapping this episode, I have also to say thank you to Tistan and Belan that helped me a lot on creating it and they actually asked me to be part of a longer conversation on some of the characters of their book. I was humbled and blessed of knowing them and making this mini-series together and knowing them as well in person last week when we met in Lausanne. Now they are on their way down I think that they are in Italy right now and they will continue on the Balkans. Please continue to follow their histories and their stories more than their histories on uh, their social media. Uh, everything is down in the description below. Really, thanks a lot. I'm feeling super happy I'm partnered up with them with this uh, yes, amazing piece of content that we created together. Tristan, Belen, thanks a lot. You are amazing human being and we're going to cross cross path again and I think that a lot of new things are gonna come out out of your creativity my creativity everything that will happen there and yes with this episode we are also wrapping up the season of the broom wagon a season that went into two different miniseries apart from some regular talks I don't want to mention everybody you know who you are who listened to the podcast constantly, who uh, had uh, nice words on me and as well who pitched me ideas and pushing me on going the extra mile. Thanks a lot and thanks a lot to everybody who took part to the broom wagon for season number four and made it so unforgettable. Thanks everybody and uh, I'm going to take a little break. Maybe I'm going to drop some special episode here and around. Maybe I'm going to prepare something new for sustainable conversations, but I'm going to keep you posted. You are not going to miss me so much because I'm going to come back super soon. Thanks a lot, of course, to Komoot for supporting me 
on this season and uh, I was super happy on having them partnering on my side and giving me also inspiration for new episodes and uh, connecting me with amazing people for conversation that probably I will not forget super soon or probably I will never forget at all. Thanks a lot for uh, following me and going together the long way in this more or less one year, I would say 10 months. And I mean, all of you that you are listening and still we have 180, I think, episodes there in our database. I consider the database of all of us. I will never say my Bloomwagon. Bloomwagon is something that is with us. And uh, yes, if you want to listen to something more, go back. There are amazing episodes there. I was talking about that in this weekend that I spent with some people about amazing conversation that I had. And uh, that still from time to time I listen up. Also, they are not going to mention them because I don't want to talk uh, too much about what's in the past and what I like and stuff because I like them all. So, yeah, thanks a lot for that. That said, if you still want to continue to support me down there, there is the coffee link. Give me any, drop me any coin and then you are going to know... You're going to keep this podcast a bit more independent and independent as it is at the moment. Otherwise, remember that another great way to support is share, review, do everything you can on this podcast and in all the platforms that you're using to listen. So, I mean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts everywhere by uh, signing up or um, reviewing or rating the episode you really helped me on making it uh, a bit more visible and that's super great remember that you can send me any feedback hello at calamaro.cc that's always my email or just follow me on the social media calamaro.cc on instagram is the best way you can send me a message there and if you want to share any of the podcasts maybe it's time now to do it what else, people? Just thanks a lot for coming the long way uh, for this season. And I hope that... No, I'm not hoping. Something new is going to come super soon. So I give you a huge hug. I will talk to you soon, people. Ciao.